Hi, I'm Steve Mabb, Chair of the Australian Shareholders Association, and we're proud to be hosting the 2024 Investor Conference in Melbourne from the 19th to the 21st of May. And we're stoked that Phil, the host of this podcast, is going to be our special guest MC. If you haven't heard much about the ASA Conference, it's a flagship event that attracts around 300 investors and industry professionals, including the Chair of National Australia Bank this year, the Chair of AGL. We have Dr. Sam Hupert, the founder and CEO of Primedicus, and we've also got Richard White, the founder and CEO of WiseTech coming along, along with many others. For a limited time, new members can enjoy special pricing on registration for the upcoming conference, along with a complimentary 12-month digital membership with the ASA. That's two-day conference registration plus one-year ASA membership for $499, a saving of $150. Simply search for Australian Shareholders Conference Register, click on two-day conference non-member, enter the discount code MEM, as in member, 499, the number's 499, so that's MEM 499 to claim your special offer. Come along and meet me and Phil at the conference. We look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shares for Beginners. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Any idiot can buy a share. It takes a grown-up to know when to sell one. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. Today I'm chatting with Chris Tate from The Trading Game. Chris has seen all types of markets and traded practically every instrument available. And if you don't know what an instrument is in financial terms, you'll find out in this episode. Many of my guests use what's known as fundamental analysis to value companies and come up with their investment strategy. But we can't ignore the other approach, which is known as technical analysis. This is about those charts that you see that show the history of price action. Chris believes that everything you need to know is shown in the price as revealed by the market. Price is a reflection of collective sentiment. Let's go to Chris as he explains. The way I view markets is really quite simple. And that is I believe that they're immensely generous. So my metaphor for dealing with markets is that they're very, very generous. They'll tell me everything I need to know. I actually just need to learn how to listen. And one of the problems I spot in investors of all shades, sizes, colours, levels of experience is that they refuse to listen. They, they have an opinion, they have a story, an idea, and they believe that the market will conform to that. My view is that the market is a machine that tells me what its view is, and all I have to do is listen to that view. So my charts are very, very simple. I view trading as a very simple endeavour, and it is actually very simple in terms of the rules that you can ascribe to it. For me, it is like getting on a tram going in the right direction. I can't alter the course of the tram. I can't do anything about the time the tram takes. I can either get on or get off. Sometimes I'll get on the right one and it will take me directly to where I want to go. Sometimes I'll get on the wrong one and it will go around the corner. It's incumbent upon me, therefore, 
to be able to understand which is the right one and which is the wrong one. And I, I view price action as precisely the same. When you look at a chart, it's telling you all the information that the market has available about this particular company, about this particular instrument, doesn't matter what it is. It could be BHP, it could be the Australian dollar, it could be gold. The market is telling you everything it knows at any given single point in time. And one of the biggest mistakes I used to see as a stockbroker was that our analyst would become wedded to a belief, an idea, and they did hold it with a degree of religious zeal. And you could always tell when they had gotten it wrong because they would utter a simple phrase. And the simple phrase is, the market is wrong. It is impossible for the market to be wrong. It can't be wrong ever because it is the sum of all collective wisdom in the market. And all it's doing is balancing out the psychology of people involved. It's balancing out the psychology of those who are bearish and those who are bullish. And that ebbs and flows and changes and it looks slightly different over various timeframes. But the market's never wrong. So all you really need to do is to look at the price action and say, well, what is the market telling me? Not what my story is. Yes, I might have been out and been to the factory and I've chatted with a managing director who, of course, is going to say, the company is doing brilliantly. It's fabulous. We're making money hand over the fist. But if I look at the chart and the chart starts top left and ends bottom right, the market's got a completely different perspective on this. I just wanted to dig a bit deeper into the concept of price action. Now, obviously, this is what goes into a chart. May I ask you to describe price action and how it gets reflected and in a chart and how you would use that chart to view that price action? When, when you go to a site like, let's say, uh, Yahoo Finance, which uh, offers the capacity to chart share prices, through the course of the day, um, share prices ebb and flow, they change. But they have four sort of major way stations. They have an open, a close, a high and a low. And they're the major points at which people take interest. So what we do uh, when you chart is you simply graph that range, and that range can be over four hours, can be over a day, can be over a week, can be over a month. And when you begin to aggregate them together, uh, they take on the appearance of what, you know, say if you go to Yahoo Finance and look at a chart for BHP, you'll actually see how price over time, and in trading we always, and investing, we always talk about over time uh, because you have to look at these things on average. So you get an aggregation of data so you can actually see what's happening. Uh, think of it this way. Think of an analogy. Imagine you're a surfer and you go down to a particular break one weekend and there's nothing happening. And you wander back to the pub and you say to your mates, look, that's rubbish. Like, why the hell are we here? And they say, well, you've been here for 10 minutes. Stay for a season. And in any form of investing or trading, we're interested in the season, the time, the extended time frame, so that when we begin to plot price, and people will often plot open, high, low, close, they can plot that as what's known as a simple bar chart. Uh, Louise and I both use candlestick charts, which convey more information. 
Uh, some people use simply the closing price. So they have this uh, really quite brutal, just simple line chart, which is obviously very, very effective for them and very effective in the way they see the world. All investing of any sort is, is finding a mechanism that resonates with you. My recommendation for people who are starting out, go somewhere like Yahoo Finance. Uh, there are American sites uh, like bigcharts.com. Uh, bring up a chart of a company you're familiar with. Have a look. Sim- simply get a feel for what it's telling you. And um, how would you set the parameters of the chart to get the kind of candlesticks that you are describing here? All, all charting packages nowadays are very, very simple. In that what they'll have across the top bar is a series of menu items. And they generally go along the lines of, you know, the period you want the chart, the time frame you want to look at, various bits and pieces. You'll see a drop-down box that will uh, – and the name varies from charting package to charting package. But it's generally something along the lines of chart type. Hit that and you'll, you'll get a small list and it'll generally say line, bar, candlestick. It, it might show one or two other sort of very esoteric variations because as humans, we love to make things complicated for everybody. But if they stick to either looking at a line chart or a candlestick chart, they will get an enormous amount of information from that. And except that it takes a little bit of time to come up to speed. But one of the things people do when they come to investing is people have a raft of common sense behind them through which they navigate life and which has served them well. The moment people move towards investing as a field, that goes out the window for whatever reasons. It's generally always psychological. Uh, markets are difficult places for people psychology. By your common sense, as, as an investor of anything, be it real estate or cars or whatever, you want to buy something at X price and sell it at X plus 10. You do not want to buy something at X and sell at X minus 50. So if a chart's heading bottom left, top right, they're the ones you're interested in. If it's heading top left, bottom right, you're not interested. Okay, you've started investing in the share market. Now, how do you track trades, dividends, distributions, and franking credits, and all those other goodies? Throw away those clunky spreadsheets with ShareSite. I have my portfolio on ShareSite and everything is automatically recorded. ShareSite are pleased to extend a special offer to listeners of this podcast. Two months free on an annual premium plan. Go to ShareSite.com forward slash shares for beginners and sign up now for a seven day free trial. That's ShareSite.com slash shares for beginners. The simplicity of the chart. Okay, so you've got a candlestick chart. What sort of time period do you prefer to look at that on? It, it really depends upon people's own investment horizons. For example, if I, my stock trades always look at data that is aggregated over a week. So I look at the weekly open, high, low, close. And it generally looks at three to four years of data because it's a very slow moving system and it's designed that way. It's designed simply to take advantage of very long-term trends. Now, if we contrast that with a cash flow system I have that trades commodities using 
four-hourly charts, it looks at open, high, low, close over four hours. But when I open the chart, the chart generally only looks at six months' worth of data. And so people will get a feel for what they're interested in. One of the things I would caution people against is that, and, and this I think comes from people's experience in the workforce, generally we have this rule that the more you work or the harder you work, the more you make. People bring this to trading and what they automatically assume therefore is that the more they trade, the more they will make. Unfortunately, that's a fallacy. And what, what the majority of very short-term traders do is simply provide liquidity in the market for other people. They get chewed up. And unfortunately, this space, investing slash trading, whatever you want to call it, has been polluted by a variety of people who stand up uh, at a weekend seminar and say, look, I'm going to show you how to give up your day job. All you need is $10,000, and what we'll do is we will trade Bitcoin intraday. You know, I don't think so. We, we have this view that trading is a thing I do all the time, round the clock, and I must do it aggressively to make money. So when people are looking at charts for the first time, the thing I would counsel against is instantly going, well, if I look at this daily, that's good. But if I, if I convert the charts to one minute, that's really good because I can trade hundreds of times a day. All that does is burn you out and burn through your account immensely quickly. But, but people sometimes have to get through that to get to the other side. Some people never do. Some do. And those that do are, are generally very, very successful. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The other thing that often you see on people's charts are indicators. Um, you'll see Bollinger Bands or you'll see MACDs or um, moving averages all over the place. Do you put any store in those kind of indicators? One, one of the things that I'm perhaps a little bit harsh on is technical analysis is an extremely broad church. At one end, you have people like me who are brutally quantitative. They're only interested in the information that price is presenting. What is the overall trend? And we try and make it as simple as possible. At the other end, uh, Louise and I presented at a conference in Malaysia last year. And one of the speakers who got up and spoke, spoke about trading using sunspots. And I just sat there going, what the hell? And unfortunately, we have that spectrum. And in the middle sit people who are mad on indicators. If I use a popular charting program uh, called Metastock, it comes, I think, natively with probably 100, 110 indicators. Now, if indicators automatically made you profitable, everybody who owned a charting package would be profitable. They don't. 
And the thing that people drift away from is that indicators are all iterations of price. Price is their fundamental point of creation. And often price is massaged, smoothed, squeezed, kneaded, blended, to the point where the indicator bears no resemblance whatsoever to price. And I, over the years, I've looked at all of them, and I, I simply think, dear God, you've removed me from what price is telling me. Let's come back to what price is saying. And I, I have this thing where if I can't instantly see from the back of the room this couch at the back of my office, what the trend is, and I don't trade it because I can't see it. And no amount of overlays, tools, bibs, bobs, bits and colours will change that initial perception. And again, we come back to this common sense. People have a common sense judgment about situations they're in. I, I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday who just spent several weeks in the United Kingdom and he's from the UK, he's a Geordie, and he walked into a pub, sat down, thought there's something not right here, had his beer and left, and there wasn't something right in the pub. You know, the pub descends into violence. He had a common sense experience. People, again, we come back to people lose that with trading. They look at a chart and they'll get a, a common sense reaction and go, something's not right. And the major thing that's not right is it's trending down. But they will sit there, and because they have a view, a notion, something, they will try and force an opinion. They will try and force the indicator to tell them what they want to see. One of the criticisms I've heard from some people about looking at charts is it's showing you what happens in the past. And there can be also any event can affect what's going to happen to that price today, tomorrow, in a five hours. How do you, how do, you deal with it? Well, one of the things about trading and investing is that risk brings with it the opportunity for profit. Without risk, there is no opportunity. I can give you a completely riskless trade where the future is known for you. How much will you make from that investment? The answer is zero because it's a bank account. The future is set for you. In investing, you must accept the uncertainty of what we do. It is up to us to manage how we get there. And one of the, I suppose, schisms I have with fundamental analysis is that there is no belief in leaving the tram that's going in the wrong direction because the line of thinking goes, well, I'm not stupid enough to get on the wrong tram, therefore my tram is good, so eventually it will turn around. And what analysts do is they construct a narrative. Narratives are very powerful for humans. It's how we convey information. Storytelling was our prime mechanism of data transfer uh, before we had written language and before we had a mass means of communication. So our brains are prime for stories. This is why we love narrative. But the problem is people become wedded to it. It becomes a religious belief. And any belief you hold in the absence of evidence is a religious belief. You may think that BHP is the best company in the world. You've read all the annual reports. You've been up to the Pilbara. You've seen the ads on telly they do. They build stuff. They dig really big holes. They've got big machines. Must be good. 
and the price halves, what happens to your story now? Well, your story's still the same, but you've just done 50% of your capital because you're wedded to your narrative, because your narrative is in part ego defensiveness. I'm not stupid enough to buy a bad company. It must be a good company. All of investing is the acceptance of risk and the management of it, which comes back to my third point of my, I don't know much about trading, don't bet the farm. If you put all your capital into a single point and it goes wrong, you're, you're, not, you're not running a business, you're playing double or nothing. Investors come in many shapes, sizes and forms. And a lot of people are happy to go to a financial advisor, for example, and let them look after uh, their money on their behalf. The trading game is actually looking at people who want to take things more into their own hands and have control and trade on a different basis. So the kind of people that are coming to you and the kind of people that your mentoring program uh, is helping, what are they looking for? Generally what people look for when they come to us is they actually want a measure of control because they've been down the road of stockbroker, financial advisor, money managed by someone else. And they'll get their superannuation statement at the end of the year and it will show that, you know, the market has made 10%, their fund has made 2 after charges the fund's made 1%. Oh, P.S., by the way, the people who run the fund have just bought themselves each a new 5 Series BMW. And you sit there and you think to yourself, well, where's my 5 Series BMW? Oh, but you're not a fund manager. Yeah, but surely your job would, should be to make me rich. That, that Surely that's what you should do. And there's a very, very good book that was written in the 50s called Where Are the Customers' Yachts? And it's a central reading for anyone. And it looks at the notion that stockbrokers, financial advisors, financial planners, fund managers do not make people wealthy. They make themselves wealthy. That, that's just simply the nature of the business. That's simply the way it is. And so people look at this and they think, well, I think I could do better. And so what they're looking for is a form of education that says, right, what do you want to trade? How do you want to trade? Because our approach, my approach is that everybody has an exceptionally good investor within them. I, I actually held that as a fundamental belief. There's no cognitive barrier to investing. There are psychological barriers. There are no cognitive barriers. You, you'll often hear that, you know, well, you couldn't possibly understand this because you don't have an MBA from the Wharton School of Business. Rubbish. Investing is fundamentally a simple endeavour. It's simple, but it's not easy, and it's not easy because of the psychological component, and that's the component that is missing from when you deal with a fund manager, a stockbroker, a financial advisor. The rules are simple, but people can't enact the rules. So we have, our clients range from, and I, I don't want to, look, I'll, I'll use the expression, they range from stay-at-home mums to former fighter pilots to neurosurgeons and everybody in between. And the intriguing thing is, is that everybody starts off at the same footing. Nobody has a natural advantage. And so it then becomes incumbent upon the individual as to how far they want to go. Our, our mantra is simply, we will show you how to trade every instrument over every time frame, but it's actually your plan. It's idiosyncratic to you. It's, fit, it's like a tailored suit. We don't simply say, here's a magic box. 
push button A on the magic box every Friday, and on Monday, money pops out. I know there are people out there who do that, but among us grown-ups, the world doesn't work that way. The different kinds of people that you come that come to see you, I'm sure there's people who are younger, for example, you might be advising them in a different way to someone who is closer to retirement. Would that be the case? No, strangely enough, no. My belief is that if they come to me and say, I want to learn to trade FX, I want to do it intraday, say, cool, we can do that. What will be my rules? Strangely enough, they will be exactly the same rules in generic form as the person who is trading for their retirement in 30 years' time. Because I play a little game with people, and that is I take a series of charts, I remove the label, and I remove the time scale off them. And I say to them, tell me A, the time scale, and B, what the instrument is. And in almost 30 years of doing it, no one's gotten it right beyond a guess. Because when you look at markets, they all look the same. If I took the label off CBA and showed you a chart and then showed you a chart of iron ore and I said to you, which one's a share price? You wouldn't know. The rules of trading are scalable and universal. And we come back to, if it's going up over the time frame you're interested in trading, you buy it. If it's going down, over the time frame in which you're interested in, you sell it. So we've now added a qualifier, and the qualifier is time frame. The third rule, don't bet the farm, still holds true. So all that's happened is we've scaled the idea down, and we do have a lot of people who mix and match in that they will have a portion of their trading approach, their funds, set aside for things like superannuation, but they will also have a portion set aside for shorter-term trading. Now, that might be trading a small basket of stocks or commodities on a daily basis. For some, it's trading four-hourly charts or one-hourly charts because their lifestyle affords them that capacity. If you look at their rules, their rules for each system, each approach, each market, each time frame is identical. There is no difference. I always begin to wonder about people when they say, well, I have a system for trading FX. I have a system for trading shares. I have a system for trading futures. But surely they're just all price, and price is an aggregation of you know, the conflict between bulls and bears. Why do they need to be different? And if I offer up sort of my own approach for what works for me, my approach is universal. The rules are identical. All that changes is the time frame. And, and that's all. There's a few subtle little methodological tweaks, but that's because trading uh, a futures contract is, because of the market you're dealing in, slightly different from trading CBA. But that's a, a difference enforced by the exchange and the instrument. That's not part of the system. The system's not enforcing that difference itself. Okay, through this interview, Chris, you've been talking about instruments. Now, can you explain what you mean by instruments? And let's look at one instrument in particular, CFDs, and tell us about that, because we've never talked about CFDs on the podcast before. Instruments are, it's simply a generic term for the overall classification of tools. 
Shares are an instrument. Options are an instrument. Futures are an instrument. FX is an instrument. Uh, fixed interest is an instrument, as is real estate. And in terms, you could break real estate down into residential and commercial as sub-instruments. One of the instruments I trade a fair amount of is a CFD, a contract for difference. The thing to note about all these instruments is they're simply a tool. No one instrument guarantees profitability. It's a little bit like saying, and and I, I see golfers fall into this trap, and golf is a very fertile ground for observation of psychological f- sort of foibles in that they'll see a golfer on TV advertising a particular golf ball and they'll go, that's what I need. My game is crap, but if I have that golf ball, I can see myself qualifying for the Masters. No, it's just a golf ball. The person hitting the golf ball is the really, really important one. CFDs are like that. Unfortunately, they're marketed as, or in some instances, marketed as magic. A contract for difference is literally what its name implies. It is a contract for difference. So you don't own the physical instrument. If I was to buy, let's say, ANZ Bank, if I was to buy ANZ Bank from a stockbroker, I would get a HIN number, I would become a shareholder in the business. So I have uh, an economic interest in the business itself and I would receive dividends, I'd get to go to the annual general meeting, eat their biscuits, whinge about how much the directors are paid. A contract for difference over CFD, over ANZ is a virtual instrument that says, right, the price of ANZ on the market, let's just pick a random price, is $25. You can buy a virtual replica of that for $25. You do not become a shareholder. You do, however, benefit from the economics of owning the instrument. So if its price goes up, the price of the CFD will go up. If ANZ declares a dividend, you will get a pro rata cash dividend. It will not have a franking component because it is a virtual cash instrument paid by the CFD provider. If the price goes down, you're responsible for the losses. The issue with CFDs, and this is where people run into enormous difficulties, is they're leveraged. So if I was to buy $10,000 worth of ANZ from my stockbroker, I would have to put up $10,000. So I, I would get my contract note, settlement would go through in a day, and $10,000 would come out of my account. With a CFD, it's different. They're leveraged. And I'll pick the generic industry example of 10%. So instead of putting up $10,000, I put up $1,000, but I control $10,000 worth of ANZ. There's a problem with this in that the archetypal poor CFD client turns up to a CFD provider and says, I have $50,000. I can gear that up to $500,000. I'll buy $500,000 worth of BHP. It only has to go up 10% and I've doubled my initial capital. What happens is BHP goes down 10% and wipes them out. Intriguingly enough, in my conversation with, with people who run CFD firms, they don't actually like those clients because they're more trouble than they're worth. And that, unfortunately, we come back to that double or nothing mentality. So CFTs are just a tool. 
And you can trade a CFD over gold. You can trade a CFD over soybeans, live mm-hmm. cattle, any market you can think of in virtually any equity. Any instrument. Any instrument. There we go. But the risk for people, again, comes in the leverage. The other risk that people don't understand is that because they're a leveraged instrument, you're borrowing money. There is a funding cost for holding these. And if people are interested in leverage and they think it's something they can manage, most people, if they're not trading aggressively or investing aggressively, are much better off from the testing and observation I've done in my own experience with either using an account like Leveraged Equities, who are a specialist equity loan provider, or simply drawing down the equity in their real estate, it's cheaper. CFDs can be very, very expensive. So there are constraints on how you trade them. There are constraints on how you approach them. And this, again, feeds back into people's desire to be very busy traders. And so CFDs tend to appeal to cater for and are an ideal vehicle for people who trade aggressively, often frequently, but who can manage leverage as it appears. Because leverage is a terrible double-edged sword. It can make an account grow very, very quickly, or it can wipe accounts out even quicker. Chris, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you today. I could talk for hours, except I'd be editing for hours as well. Hours, straight that's true, afterwards. that's true. Well, what I'll do, because we've covered a lot of stuff, is I've got a series of articles that cover these sorts of things, and I'll actually put them on my blog that you can find at tradinggame.com.au. And I'll put them on as a single compendium so people can actually find them. And that'll give them bits and pieces to start. I'd also, just as a, a simple ready reckoner to get people started, is the notion of getting hold of our trading plan template, sitting down and filling it in honestly and saying, well, I don't know this. I do know that. I had no idea that existed. I'd better go and think about that. Because over the years, as a, as a landmark simple tool of a few questions, it's been the most powerful thing we generate. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you shouldn't buy or sell any shares based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. And I'd also like to say a big thank you to Christopher Sulos of Garlic Breath Studios for all the fantastic help with the music production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.